What's up, bingers? As we wrap up Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I'm joined by the host of the True North True Crime Podcast to discuss an unsolved murder that many suspect was the result of domestic abuse. His last name remains anonymous, but please welcome the host of TNTC, Graham. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. Okay, so are, are, are we about to do a, a first name reveal? Is it, we just talked a little bit before. You guys have got, you and your wife have been an anonymous for all this time, right? You know, we did make an error in the beginning where we actually, um, our first episode does say our first names, which, <laughs> but then we uh-huh. just stopped doing it after that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, so it's not so really a reveal. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't promote this as the, the true north, true crime reveal. Because you yeah. already did, you already accidentally did it once. Yeah, we already have did, done it just the one time. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> so sadly, no, I don't think that's the the spin on it. Well, well, I'm glad with you with you you being comfortable with with us, us using your first name because I was as I, as I was walking in here, I was like, how am I going to not mess this up? Because I'm classic for messing up. Always, I, our, our current season of Truth and Justice, we've got a. A couple of names that that I wanted to redact throughout the, the the process, and every single episode, somebody sends me an email and is like, "Hey, just so you know, at the seven minute mark, uh, you said her name." Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. We've done that a few times too. Well, we haven't done it, but it's always in the back of my mind, especially when I'm using pseudonyms on witnesses and things like that. Right. Where, I, where I, by the end of the episode, I'm like, "Did I just say that guy, <laughs> that person's name?" Um, but then I I have to go back and I'm like, okay, I didn't, you know, but I just get paranoid that I did. Yep. That we do that. It happens to us all the time. So, so you, you and your wife, Kate host, uh, the true North true crime podcast. Uh, and you guys, you guys have been doing it for what, but a little over a year. You started in 2020. Yeah. Just a little over a year. We, our our first episode was, I believe May 30th, uh, 2020 is when we, Mm -hmm. we first started. Yeah. It, and it was something that we had, um, you know, we when we first started dating, it's podcasts and true true crime podcasts were something that we bonded over, and we often talked about creating our own podcast. Uh, it, in 2017 is when we really got excited about it, but then we both got busy with um, our regular jobs, and mm-hmm. it just seemed like something we couldn't get into at the time. Uh, we both work in the film industry. Um, my wife, Kate, uh, works as a, an agent, and I worked as a film and TV actor, but also a live um, live space or live theater comedian and performer. Um, okay. And when the pandemic hit in you know March, both of our industries disappeared. It was shut down, right? Yeah. And you know, a, a couple of months into the 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 lockdown, so to speak, uh, you know, we both needed a creative endeavor and our hearts were always in trying to create a true crime podcast. And so we, 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 you know, hopped on Amazon and bought some gear and started Mm -hmm. researching some cases that we cared about and, uh, and, you know, and, and put it out there and then just 
you know, sat there with their fingers crossed as that first episode started getting, <laughs> you know, downloaded. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I think we've really sort of found our voice in the last year, which is great. Yeah, I, I've listened and it's not, but I hadn't listened to some of the the old episodes. I should because every time I do that in one of mine, I, I I'm horrified by the way they used to sound like. But. Oh man, yeah, I can't even listen to the ones from last year just because the quality and how we put them together. Like I, I just feel like we've found our groove now. Yeah, yeah, you guys, the podcast sounds great now. You guys do a wonderful job. So that's interesting. I'm sure there's more out there, but as your guys are the only. Uh, husband wife team that I've listened to. And, and I always like to hear the origin stories of like, how did you get, you know, there's always this, whose idea was it? How did you come up with right. this idea? So you guys are, you know, a, a married couple just sitting in your living room and you hatch this idea. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in, fa- in fact, like I said, when we first started dating, we were talking about, um, we were talking about the Heyman Lee case and uh-huh. we were talking about, you know, Generation Y, True Crime Garage, like that kind of thing. And we were like, like we were both into that. And and so that was always something that was in the back of our mind. So it was actually a joint idea where we were like, gosh, I, I would really love to do that. Um, and we have mm-hmm. no experience in it, you know, like, you know, Kate's, you know, an agent, I'm an actor or whatever. So I, I understand stuff about story and a little bit about show business, but this podcast is such a departure from that because mm-hmm. like I worked as a comedian, there's nothing funny about the work that we do. And the other thing is we didn't want it to be entertaining or entertainment. Right. So as much as we had a film or entertainment background, that was not our goal at all. What our, our goal is, is to, um, to, well, I don't want to say speak for victims, but to bring the stories of victims, um, to awareness because as you know as you know these stories get a news hit for 30 seconds on the nightly news at six o'clock and then they disappear and uh, and you know these people um who are victims of violent crime or missing persons their stories still need to be told long after the you know the media has stopped caring and i i really think that that's an important niche that we in the true crime community can really fill like it's a void that we can really fill because you know, people can spend, you know, 40 minutes listening to a deep dive on a case rather than 30 seconds on a news hit, you know? Right. There's so much space where you're not limited to time constraints and you can make it as long as you want. And yeah. you know, and, and what you guys are doing, it's, I mean, I love the mission, the way that you guys are so victim-centric and that you're trying to, you know, really bring awareness to these these stories and maybe, you know, get some movement on the, on the, on the case in some, in a lot of cases. It's interesting, you know, every there's so many different types of true crime podcasts out there. Um, and there are a lot of, you know, comedy type true crime yeah. uh podcasts. And it's interesting that that your your background is in comedy and yeah. that you pushed away from that. Like I so you, when you when you and Kate decided to make the podcast, was there a dis, was there much of a discussion on what the format of the show would be, like what type of show and what the mission would be? Yeah, there was actually quite, quite a bit. Um, we, so, you know, the interesting thing about being in comedy for so long is knowing with your instincts, what's funny and what's not funny. And, and I can't in good conscience find comedy in what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Like these are like, I, I, so one of our main goals was, um, and we may, you know, we may err. Like we may make errors as we go along. We understand that. Mm-hmm. But one of our main goals was what if family members hear this? Uh, how, what right. if family, because, uh, you know, Canada's 
Canada's a, you know, it's a big country, but there's only 38 million of us. And, you know, I think sometimes uh, these murders and missing people do cut quite deep to the bone for Canadian citizens. And so Mm -hmm. it's, you can cover a case and that family is going to hear it or their friends are going to hear it. So the thought there is how do we honor these people regardless of their lifestyles or regardless of, um, you know, how they lived and how do we tell their story in a way that makes people um, uh, humanize them and care about them. So that was our number one goal. And then mm-hmm. the number two was, was the old Hippocratic oath, do no harm. Like mm-hmm. if, if we can do no harm, we need to do no harm. And then the last piece of the puzzle is to not glorify murderers. There are a lot right. of podcasts and, and documentaries out there like deep inside the mind of a murderer. Like we are not interested in that. Like there mm-hmm. is enough ink that has been spilled on why a psychopath or why a murderer is a murderer. Um, and we don't want to condone that so much. So we actually don't name our, any of our episodes after a convicted murderer. So you're not going to see right. us do an episode that's called William Picton. We may choose right. a v- victim of that serial killer and name the episode after that, but we're not going to continue. And, and to be honest with you, Bob, I, th- I think we probably lose downloads as a result of that because people search popular topics, right? It, it, yeah, it's, it's a bold choice to make because, yeah, it, it's, it's tempting to use that – I don't want to say clickbaity, but it is, it is almost that. Uh, you know, People are, are more likely to download a podcast that says this is about Ted Bundy than a podcast yep. that's about the name of one of his victims that most people probably have never, never heard of before. Exactly. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a really, it's, it's a really admirable choice to make to do it that way. Um, I've struggled with that myself. I had um, it was it wasn't a well, it was a wrongful conviction case, but Charles Erickson, who is uh, and and I'm, I'm stumbling because I'm I, I, right now I'm struggling to remember the name of the of the famous one. There was the two that were convicted: uh, Ferguson, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Ferguson, Ryan Ferguson. I think right. You know he was he was exonerated, and Charles Erickson was the other half of that story. That that and he's still in prison. He's the one that uh, that the police had, you know, convinced him that maybe he had dreamt, you know, tell us what you dreamt about, and, and convinced oh, him yeah, that yeah. something happened. Yeah, yeah. And he's still in prison. I, I just, it's just funny because you know, as as content creators and trying to tell these stories and trying to do some good at the same time, you know, you're you, you know, for my living, I need people to download the episode. And I remember, like, if I put Charles Erickson as this title, no one's going to know who Charles Erickson is, and maybe they're thinking, I, I ended, I'm doing it anyway, but. Um, to go that way and, instead of Ryan Ferguson's name. But yeah, in, in your case, like using victims is, you know, I, I think what you do is you end up establishing an audience that is a long-term audience for you because, you know, you may not get the masses that come in to listen to it, but yeah. the people that are listening to it are the people of the same like mind as you that are far more interested in the victims. I, I, I think that's entirely accurate like i i have based on the conversations that we've had with our listeners we find that that is what happened we ended up attracting people that were of a similar mind to us and then the negative feedback we got was from people who would say things like and this is like a direct quote from a review mm-hmm. you need to do a better job of making it more suspenseful or um or entertaining and mm-hmm. and like it's very hard to read that feedback because I'm uh, my job isn't to make uh, the murder 
of somebody's family member entertaining. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's just like, it's super offensive on its face. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this horrific story of this person's uh, missing, like this person's missing family member is not entertaining enough for you. However, the thing is, is there are a million podcasts like that. So go find it. Like, I, I'm not mad at the person, but it's just like, they they found us. They're like, mm, not for us. And then they move on. And that's totally fine because there are people who will right. find us. And much like what you were doing originally, like when you first started Truth and Justice, you know, because I'm a day one listener, FYI, Bob. Like, I, oh, thank like, you for you that. Know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know that um, when you started with Serial Dynasty and, and you were doing your work around that, and then you, f- you, you got this army with Truth and Justice that, that came along with you. And then you, that's when you really found your voice and what you are mm-hmm. as a podcaster and as a, as a true crime podcaster. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're, I'm like, as a, uh, using you as an example and also a role model, like that's my hope is that we, uh, continue to bring in people who understand what we're trying to do. Yeah, you, it, and it, it, it sounds like you're doing that to me when I listen to it, and and it, yeah, it's it's it, it's a weird, especially for me. So you you and Kate still have day jobs, right? You're uh, are you guys back to work again now with the? Uh, Kate is. I've actually kind of shifted gears a little bit, and I'm going into um into more social work, which was my sort of like okay my side uh, interest um, mm-hmm. and side education. And now the the calling of a lot changed during the pandemic and the sort of like, I felt like a stronger calling towards that work than I did uh, the entertainment industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it's, it gives you a little freedom having that, you know, you have having a, at least hopefully another source of income so that you can yeah. really take a stand and, and, we went through that when I left the fire department, started doing this full time. You know, there's, there, there's always that balance and that, that difficult decisions. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm so thankful that I have an amazing team between Mike, who's our producer and editor, and Shane that does our music, and Zach that's on our follow up. Is, you know, because I mean, they were legitimate conversations where it was like, well, what do we need to do to be, to be the huge podcast? There's podcasts yeah. out, out there that are making millions of dollars, and we just we really came to. You know, Mike is. You know, Mike doesn't talk a whole lot, but Mike is a very, is very intelligent guy. He's very insightful, and we. He's like, look, I, I, I want to. I, I joined this team because I want to be a part of what we're doing, and I think that's more important. So we all kind of have like, okay, so we can all agree we're not going to be millionaires, but we're going to keep doing the show the way we want to do the show, uh, for the reasons that we want to do it, and and grow it. And I and I, I I just hear like tones of that coming from you and from you and Kate in, yeah. in, in the show. And, and as a listener, I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you uh, noticing that too. And it, I mean, there is, you know, I don't know what the what the long term outcomes will be. Um, we just really hope that if we continue to do what we think is the right thing, that positive will come from that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether whether that looks like growth um, or finances or or whatever it looks like or success, whatever we deem success to be with the podcast. Um, you know, I can say that we've already um, surpassed anything we thought we were going to do with it. So, you know what I mean? For two people with, you know, GarageBand and a couple of uh, Blue Yeti microphones off of Amazon and the uh-huh. ability to Google, you know, like we, you know, but but then it expanded beyond that and family members started to approach us and we were able to tell more um, fulsome stories. But 
Um, you know, we've already surpassed a lot of that, but, you know, we do, you know, like I said earlier, look at you and, and some others as the high water mark where, you know, we, we want to be in that world as well. Right. Yeah. And it's just so funny that like you were talking, our, our stories are so similar in the way that, you know, I started my podcast with $200 on Amazon. It was the same thing. Yeah. It was like, you know, I can, I can yeah. buy this little kit and set it up and I'm going to make a podcast and then. When you launched that first episode, I'm curious if this was just me. How many times did you refresh your host site to see how many <laughs> downloads you were getting in the first week? Oh man, it was all the time, you know, and just like and waiting on because we live in we live in this internet age of just like mm-hmm. outrage, right? Constant outrage, and so it was like, oh, when are people going to be mad at us? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like you know, it's like, oh god, you know, and and honestly, Bob, like I, I know I said it earlier, but like your your story. Like, so for me, like, I, I want to get, I want to uh, pump your tires a little bit here. So I hope you don't mind. So, so I, <laughs> oh, I have go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like I get insomnia, right. I've always had it. Right. And there's uh-huh. no sort of the, the unspoken thing about insomnia is there's like, you're the only person awake in the world and there's like a loneliness that sets in. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, your podcast, especially the the early days uh, of uh, Truth and Justice and stuff like that, like I was like, I was on that ride with you as you looked into Don, as you looked into my, one of my favorites was like snow on the ground, where, whether we were trying to figure out whether there was snow on the ground where right. Damon Lee's car was parked. So there, there was like, mm-hmm. I think it was like, it felt like there was like two episodes where we were trying to figure yeah. out if there was snow on the ground, right? And, um, but like the, I felt like I had, sort of a purpose while I was going along that journey with you. And then mm-hmm. as I began to learn about your story with the fire department and then taking that risk, that leap of faith to do the podcast, those are kind of little, uh, those are lessons that w- I brought into this podcast with Kate, you know, mm-hmm. like, is that, is that, you know what they're, I would bring up you as an example. I'm like, well, Bob Ruff was doing this, that, and this, and then this happened, right? He right. wasn't just some, he wasn't some famous person who decided to do a podcast. You know, he yeah, was already it, a person who had dedicated his life to helping others, um, w- you know, with your job at the fire department, right? There's mm-hmm. got to be an element of it there. Um, right. And then, and then this podcast came along and there's, there's no reason why it wouldn't be successful. And I'm glad it's out there and you are out there as an example. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, I really flattered and, and appreciate that. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I started this show and like, because I love hearing those stories. You know, I feel incredibly blessed that. The show was able to take off, and I'm and I'm able to do it. But I I love, I, I I always love talking about the origin stories because it's it's such a podcasting is such an interesting market. You know, it's a, it's such an interesting media because so many of us are not from you know, like you said we're not celebrities that it's so you know, especially in the true crime space. So many people yeah. are just like, well, I listen to podcasts, and I, I was really interested in true crime, so I bought some stuff on Amazon and started one. And then yep. next thing you know, there's, you know, what you're talking about, like watching those, those number counts. So with the fire yeah. department, I, I, I was a teacher. I traveled the country and taught some classes with the fire department. And so, you know, I, I know what it be, what's like to speak in a room with a couple thousand people in it. And I remember what, you know, watching those numbers go up and it's like, holy shit, a hundred people. Like that's, you know, it, it, you know, in podcast world, that's not a large number, but it's like, yeah, I know what a hundred people in a room looks like. That's a lot of people yeah. to be listening to me. And then it was like, holy shit, a thousand people. Are listening to me, and then two thousand and three thousand, and it's just it's it's insane. It's a wild ride, you know, when you're when it when it's taking off and growing like that. 
Yeah. Yes, for sure. And, and we were, uh, really lucky at the beginning too, because, um, there's a uh, Canadian true crime, uh, by Christy. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. famous podcast. And, uh, uh, she, like we reached out to her at first and we were like, Hey, Christy, we're, you know, we, we didn't do nothing about podcasts. Right. And we're like, we're entering the Canadian true crime space. We just want to say mm-hmm. hi. And you know, like th- that kind of thing. Right. Just a hello. And she's like, anything I can do to help, let me know. And like, she isn't did. such a cool community. Yeah. And then also Michael Whelan from Unresolved has been like this massive resource for us. Like we just reach out to him and be like, Hey, Michael, this is happening. What do we do? And he's like, Oh, you know, he'll give us an answer. And also, um, uh, uh, Justin from Gen Y has been super helpful too. So we've been like, we've just been so fortunate. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's that all of that kind of foundational, those foundational conversations really helped us and still do as we see those numbers start to click up and as we start yeah. to move along, you know, and it's just, it's really, um, it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And it, and it is really a cool community. I, I tell people all the time that, you know, I owe my career to Robbie Ashaudry. She, she yeah. read my very first episode. I put it out and I was like, I made a Twitter account that no one was following. And I just started following and I'm like, Hey, I made a podcast episode about the, uh, you know, the uh, for serial dynasty about the Heyman Lee case. And Robbie had listened to it and retweeted it. And then it was like, all of a sudden, wow, all these people were listening. And then it was the show got, got bigger. She reached out to me and we talked a little bit. And then, and then the day she mentioned on, on disclosed, like, Hey, you should go check this podcast out. It blew up. And it's, it's just, it's a cool industry. Cause I've worked in the, you know, through the, doing the documentary and stuff, I've worked in the, the film industry a bit. And it's funny. It, it's not the same thing. there's there's like this fierce competition and everybody's everybody's trying to one-up everybody else and in the true crime space there's so many people that are like not only hey i'm 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 here to help you if you need it but also like telling their listeners go over and give these guys a listen they're good yeah yeah exactly yeah that is is what we have found and uh Mm -hmm. and it's great And, and we know obviously all all cultures and communities of people will have like you know not great moments or whatever, but mm-hmm. for the most part, that's all we've experienced is, is just people helping us out. And, uh, and now we want to do that for others if we can, you know, but we're still right. nascent, you know, we're still in our, our baby phase, but. Sure. You know, I, I'm interested in the dynamic with you doing this with your wife. Cause I just know that when you start making a podcast like this, you start off and you get super excited about it and you start making it and it's, t- it's a ton of work. You put it together and then there, there always seems to come a time. A couple months. It's actually the reason Mike stopped doing freelance editing because he got tired of these projects. You know, it was right. always going this way where people get so excited about it. And then they realize a couple months in, this is really hard. It's taking up a whole lot of time and there's not enough people listening. There, there's always like this lull. It's, it's, I, always, I always describe it. It's like, it's like a slingshot. If, if a podcast does well, there's always that like pull back and then it just launches into this parabolic launch of the show. But I've never talked. So, did you guys ever have that moment? And and what was that like being, you know, again, husband, you're 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 sleeping in the same bed with your co-host. Yeah. yeah. So we have delegated the work, right? Because what happened uh-huh. was obviously um, there was a big back to work push in the film industry, uh, mm-hmm. especially for her side of things. Not so much for me. Um, yeah. So, so um, Kate just got slammed with regular work and mm-hmm. uh and so i kind of became research writer guy uh uh-huh. and so um so 
I we had to start to delegate the work, and so uh, we we have delegated that. Kate Kate is our sound engineer. She's a self taught sound engineer, um, uh-huh. and so when it comes, and she's also my soundboard with regards to cases. So I'll uh-huh. you know we'll be sitting there and be like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this case, and then she'll tell she'll ask me why, why, and, right. and I'm like, oh, I think I have access to this person. I think that this will happen. Like, and so we do. She's an integral part of the podcast with regards to helping me to form which direction we're going with content mm-hmm. and also with regards to recording and editing the the podcast. She's an amazing voice too. I love how ha- like her her voice on the podcast is so great. Um yeah. so there's we've been able to delegate. That way there's no confusion, but then there is scope creep, right? Where all of a sudden it's like um uh, you know, oh, are we going to, is this a business now? Do I need to set this up as a business? And who's going to do that? Is that me? Or do I get a lawyer? Like, you know, that kind of, so all, of a sudden <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, all of a sudden it's no longer just recording and researching. It's like, yeah. okay, where is this? Like, where do we put this? And um, how do we make sure we're legally doing this? And all that kind of, all of a sudden <laughs> it becomes a little tiny enterprise. And right. so, uh, and then there's also like, you know, we're thinking about the show. So all of a sudden I, out of nowhere, I'm like, you know what? We release every two weeks. What if in the off week we do TNTC shorts and I'll just like bang out a 15 minute episode on a case that we don't have a ton of information on, but we think is important. And Kate's like, uh, okay. Do you think you have time for that? I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. And within, (laughs) you know, just that moment of deciding that I doubled our workload and, and it was untenable. Like, so I, I was like after a while, I was like, I can't do. Like, I think we released four of them, and that was so. That was a podcast a week for eight weeks mm-hmm. with you know, and we're not sitting in the lap of luxury of podcast money pouring in, right? And all of a sudden, right, I'm like, <laughs> you know, working my ass off to bang out these episodes. We're having no weekends anymore, like not because mm-hmm. well, we got to record. So, so that was one of those moments where, like, you know, CEO of uh, True North True Crime Incorporated, uh, uh, co CEO Graham made a decision that affected the whole family. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Then we, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, it'll be a great idea. And sure, and I'm sure it is a great idea, but it just was super wrong at the time. Yeah, I've had a lot of great ideas that didn't pan out like that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm already starting to think about our Patreon and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, with our download numbers, it's a bit of a silly idea right now, but I'm like, okay, we'll do, this will be like our after hour show. And and again, it's like we're up against, well, we don't have time for that right now. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. You know, so. It's the same thing. I have um, our 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 web designer, Kate. She she's she told us like you know you guys could really make your Patreon take up for Truth and Justice. You know you could you could do an extra episode a week or something and put it out. I'm like you lost you've lost your mind. You have no, Michael kill yeah. me if I give yeah. him another episode that he needs <laughs> to edit every week. I don't have time to you know because as we've added things we've added this we had you know first it was we added the follow ups and we've added this, this mm-hmm. show and and. We bumped March through, but like like this, I was I almost didn't didn't have time to get into this interview on time because I was talking to a witness from a case that's not even the case that I'm working right now. That's because right. I've got you know I've got nine other cases that are still in the backlogs that we're still working on. I've got another case that I'm working that's going to be our season twelve case, and I'm in the middle of season eleven on top of everything else. Yeah, the right. the workload compounds pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, and so to add more to your own plate on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> It's just yeah. super silly, right? And especially, especially like going back to the marriage question, especially when that person is your partner, right. and and yeah. you're also looking at each other, going, "What are we going to have for dinner tonight?" 
you know, like, right. yeah. you know, like, it's like, or like the, you know, like last week our cat was sick. Right. And I'm like in the middle of writing, cause we decided to do something a little bit different. And we did a Halloween episode this year uh-huh. just to, just to take a break from, you know, just to take a break from our normal format. And, uh, and so it was a little bit more creative and it was an old story from 1878. Um, but in the middle of all that, one of our cats gets sick. And so like the whole podcast goes on hold as we spend like, you know, we go back and forth to the vet four times and, you know, and then, right. like I said, you know, it's like, oh, what's for dinner? And, oh gosh, I haven't folded this laundry. I'm like folding laundry while we're talking about the podcast. So it's, it's right. you know, you have to try and find those moments to separate and say, you know, raise your hand and be like, can I ask a podcast question? <laughs> or like, right. is this a good time for a podcast question? <laughs> There's- you know, yeah. There's got to be some benefit in it being your wife, though, that you're both, you know, that you're both in it and know what's going on. Because, like, I don't have that. My wife's super understanding. I mean, I quit my yeah. j- my government job to do this. She's she's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Uh, but but at the same time, there's like there. Thank God that my office now is a remote building from our house uh, where I work because if I get a call from the school that says my ten year old is sick and needs to be picked up and come home mm-hmm. in the middle of a work day. There is a string of profanities that fly through this building because <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody else gets it. There. Like even my his mom, my my ex wife, who we are, we're very close and, and we get along great. But you know, she'll text me, "Hey, the school called," and she's a teacher, so she can't leave. Right? She's like, "Can you go get him?" And everyone's just like, "Well, you work, you work for yourself. You can go." <laughs> like, yeah. God damn it, you don't understand. Yeah, it's, I have a I, deadline. <laughs> I saw a hilarious meme, uh, and it was it was just the the joke of um, you know the the person who flaunts the nine to five world to work for themselves, and then it basically the second um, the second photo is is somebody working twenty four seven, right? Like, right. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> exactly I'm gonna work right. for myself, you know. And and the thing is, I get that because you know being in the in the film industry, I was. I was so part of the gig economy that I was so used to being so busy all the time. Like, right. you know, I, ha- I had to do this gig. I had to teach this class. I had to do, I had to go on this cruise ship and do a three week contract. I had to, had to, had to, had to, right. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm used to that chaos of, of the gig economy um, and being my own business or whatever. Um, and Kate understands it too, um, to the nature of her business. And so, we were used to it when we got into it and it's mm-hmm. in fact it, the chaos is what we're both used to so right. po- and also and also um um as a as a former actor as an actor setting myself up into an industry that i don't know the level of success that i will achieve is also very uh-huh. on par for <laughs> for me <laughs> right. my my life right it's like <laughs> right <laughs> i got to put this the out course, there right? yeah yeah see what happens <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've definitely had those moments where I'm at, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm out here writing a script and I'm like, sure, I'm glad I gave up that eight to five job. <laughs> that that sure was a grind. Well, at two o'clock last night, I was up um, or two o'clock in the morning. I was going through your old Truth and Justice episodes to try and remember the name of the Smith County uh, and Tyler, Texas uh, uh, folks that were wrongfully convicted and like, mm-hmm. and, and there's three. So I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm like, oh gosh, what, wait, which one was this again? Like, cause I'm going back to 2016 to try and remember those episodes that, that I listened to and you know, that, it's podcast related. 
But here I am at two o'clock in the morning, like, I'll like yeah. what was that wrongful conviction that Bob was working on in 2016? Like, I don't know. There's no Man, boundaries. It's so, it's so hard to keep that stuff in your mind, too. It's funny you said that because this morning I was talking to a reporter that's doing a story on Ed Eights. And, oh, yeah. you know, he, ca- yeah, he called me and wanted to, you know, we were just kind of touching. He's like, you know, I just like to do a quick interview on it. Uh, you know, can you do a, like a Zoom? It's for a TV thing. So there are like a TV news thing. So it'll be recorded on Zoom. And he's like, can you do a, a Zoom thing maybe this afternoon around four o'clock? And and I I had to lie to him, and I was I was <laughs> I was like, no, actually I'm I'm swamped for a couple days. Yeah. We can maybe do it on Thursday or Friday. It's because just a couple questions he asked me, I'm like, uh, I don't remember the name of the witness, or yeah. <laughs> like it's going to take me a minute to remember how I know that he was wrongfully convicted. So yeah, I can don't go break back all yeah. my notes. You can't bring me in as an authority right now because my authority yeah. uh, is not there done, at the moment. Yeah, I've done eight cases since then, and it's been five years. Give me a minute. Yeah. yeah. So I want I want to get into the, the podcast a little bit. One thing that you guys do that I that I really like, and I don't know if you do you do it all the time. Um, where you where you actually reach out and connect with the family of the victims before you do a podcast, or is that something you attempt to do all the time? We attempt to do it um, most times. So mm-hmm. so what I have found. So we'll we'll keep an eye on people's social media, and we'll keep an eye to see if um, it, uh, with a missing, it's much different. With a missing, um, families want help, um, right? So, but there is also trauma. So, if I see that they're reaching out, that they're doing media interviews with mainstream media, if that kind of thing is happening, I feel comfortable sending that email. Mm-hmm. If if I know that they've had issues with media in the past, uh, dishonest or misrepresentation, I know that they're mm-hmm. less likely to talk. And I also mm-hmm. know that there are situations where people have dealt with so much trauma that they just want this this case to go away. So right. you know, there I, I do we do our best to approach people when we can. If and I have had families say, "No, I prefer you don't cover this case," and I say, mm-hmm. "No problem." No problem at all, because how, how could we, how could we stand by what we're trying to do if we don't do that? And now that doesn't mean we always do it. Like, so I just covered, um, we just covered Amanda Zhao, uh, who was murdered in 2002 and her family is in, is in Beijing. And I just really didn't feel that there was going to be a way with our resources to get in touch with them. But I am able to, I am able, I believe we were able to honor her through our storytelling, uh, without involving the family because the family had a lot of media out there already that I could mm-hmm. source from. So we do right. our best and some of our pi- some of our episodes are going to have uh interviews in them because we're just working with mixed audio now and then right. other others might be straightforward narration of of mm-hmm. the situation and I think what we're trying to do now is find um a balance of both like some right. might be a straight up story and then some might be, hey, we've involved a family member and we want you to hear it in their words rather than ours. So I think that that, that helps with um, the diversity of content for our listeners, that they can listen to it and say, oh, this is an interview style episode, uh, or it's right. usually mixed. Like it's not a straightforward, unedited interview like what we're doing today. It'll, ju- it'll mm-hmm. be Kate and I do a setup that goes into an audio, much like what Marissa does on The Vanished. Sure. Right. But then yep. there'll be episodes that we do that are a little bit more like either case file or Gen Y. Um, we are starting to pull back a lot on um, 
And we always have, but we, we're starting to pull back on opinion uh, to right. just let the facts lay as they are. Um, but, uh, but to answer your question, we do, uh, we do our best to approach families. And, and you know, there's, there's two major types of anxiety I have with the podcast. One is when we press upload. <laughs> right. You know, on that on that new episode, we're like, uh-huh. um, and then the other one is when I press send on an email to a family member, I just get I get a little bit of anxiety around that because I, you know, I we're just, you know, I'm not the CBC or CNN. You know, I'm right. You know, we're just a small podcast, uh, and so, it, but we we do our intentions are in the right place. And now, what has happened is we have families coming to us, or mm-hmm. we have friends coming to us saying, "I'm willing to talk to you." Or I'm willing to provide you with all of the court sure. documents. And so that's great because that's where we get really excited because it's like, okay, these people need our help and they're asking for our help. And so I will, I will butt episodes out of the way if a family member says we need your help. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And, and that's a, it, it's really nice when the pendulum starts to shift that way. And, and you know, my case is finding wrongful conviction cases, you know, we went from trying to go out and find the, best story to now we have on truth and justice we have a a research team to filter through all of the requests from people to cover the story so in 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 that regard uh uh, eric had put here in my notes that that you did reach out to the the family of the victim in today's case to get their approval to to talk about the case yeah that's correct um this is a case that kate and i are really passionate about and we really care about um, we have covered it in, in, I believe it was episode 24. And, mm-hmm. um, for this case, when Erica mentioned that, you know, we wanted to cover, uh, or asked us what case we wanted to cover, we juggled a few, but, you know, the case of Trina Hunt has been one that has really stuck with us and that we want to stick with, um, until justice is, is found. And in order to do that, we made sure that we reached out to the family spokesperson and we, we explained, you know, hey, Bob Ruff is having us on. This is, you know, major exposure for Trina's case. Would you give us permission to talk about Trina's case on this on this episode? And uh, and um, the spokesperson said yes. That, well, that's that's great. I appreciate you doing that. And mm-hmm. uh, and, and with that regards, let's go ahead and and shift into so 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 Trina. What was it? It was a tr- January eighteenth, twenty twenty. So this is just last year. She went missing. Twenty twenty one. Oh, it was this year. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I thought it was 2020. So this is this is less than a year old. This this case happened. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and give us the the breakdown of the case. Sure. So this case takes place in a in a city called Port Moody, British Columbia, and now Port Moody mm-hmm. is kind of a satellite suburb city of Vancouver. So it's part of that mm-hmm. sort of greater Metro Vancouver sprawl, right? So Vancouver, mm-hmm. of course, uh, for listeners who don't know, is in British Columbia. It's just north of Seattle. Um, and it is the biggest city in uh, British Columbia. So Port Moody is is nice. It's a real nice neighborhood, and the specific area that Trina lived in is is quite nice. It's called Heritage Mountain. The average house is you know one point two million or eight hundred thousand, which actually isn't saying a lot because Vancouver is incredibly expensive. But these are mm-hmm. nice houses. So Trina is forty eight years old, and uh, she was working at Shaw Communications, which is a like a Verizon. And mm-hmm. uh, she took a buyout in 2018. So in 2021, she was kind of just living her life uh, at home, not working. Trina 
was a big, um, Trina was really loved in her family. Okay. And she, she would have, uh, dinners. Uh, she was a big foodie. She traveled a lot. Uh, during COVID, she would have outdoor, um, gatherings in her backyard with like propane heaters and stuff like really like a sort mm-hmm. of elaborate family get gathering so that people could still feel that sense of community. So she, by all outside appearances, very caring, very loving, very um, loved person. Um, okay. So Trina married her high school sweetheart. Um, they dated in high school and his name is Ian Hunt and it's spelled I-A-I-N. He pronounces it Ian. Now, before we get into this, nobody has been arrested for the murder of Trina Hunt. Um, and I am in no way implying that I know who's responsible for Trina Hunt before we mm-hmm. hop into this, but I will present the facts as we know them. So, okay. um, so Ian, uh, really smart guy, like the, he's like a well put together, um, Vancouver businessman, you know, like sharp suits, good hair. That kind of thing. Uh, Trina is also the same, like Rolex watches, nice mm-hmm. house, BMW Mercedes in the front uh, driveway. Ian works as a CEO for, uh, or worked as a CEO for a janitorial company called Clean Tech. Um, by, from my research, he took that company from, uh, he, he brought that company on a trajectory of exponential growth and they ended up having a really good time with the company with regards to the amount of money that was coming in. He also dedicated his time outside to doing things like, you know, rappelling down the side of a building to raise money for a hospital foundation. So they were very, Mm -hmm. um, very community minded as a couple and outside appearances, they had it all. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so on January 18th, 2021, Ian at five o'clock in the afternoon calls the police and says that Trina is missing. He came home from work. The door is open. Her phone, keys, and wallet are there. Her car is there. Both cars are at home. Okay. And And no signs of forced entry, right? No, zero signs of forced entry. Mm -hmm. She's missing. So, uh, you know, immediately a community search happens because this is, you know, a nice neighborhood and people really, and keep in mind, COVID is still happening. It's 2021. You know, people are locked down and stuff. So the word travels fast that there's a, a woman missing in the community and people, and the thing is, like, uh, Port Moody has, like, some pretty foresty type f- trails and stuff like that in the area. So people really descended on there that maybe she went for a walk. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, people have, you know, slid down the side of a hill and injured themselves, that kind of thing, right? Um, and, you know, 24, 48 hours, no Trina. So a timeline started to get put together. Okay. And so what we learned mm-hmm. was that on, January 14th, 2021, Trina was seen on CCTV footage, uh, grocery shopping or shopping in Port Moody. Okay. Then on Friday, January 15th, Trina was texting with a friend on the East coast of Canada or Eastern Canada. They were going to set up a, a bit of a virtual cocktail hour for Saturday, right? So Saturday rolls around. The person texts her, those texts don't get responded to. Mm-hmm. And now at a closed door family meeting, Ian, the husband, told the family, Trina and I decided to have a digital detox on Saturday. 
we put our phones away because we were both feeling heavy from January 6th and from COVID and all the news. Mm -hmm. So we put our phones away and we drove an hour and a half outside of Vancouver, Port Moody area to an area called Hope, British Columbia, which is a small rural town at the foot of the mountains. There's lots of campgrounds Mm -hmm. in that area. He said that they drove an hour and a half out there in order for them to have this digital detox and they were going to go visit a campground that they had gone to in their youth. Now, okay. this is mid-January. We don't get a lot of snow in British Columbia, but it's still an odd, like taking a day trip. You know, we all take day trips. That's yeah. fine. But he's decided they've decided to take a day trip out to Hope, British Columbia without their phones. Mm-hmm. So- his story is that they got home in time for dinner. So that would have been a three hour round trip or four hour round trip, no stops. Um, they got home in time for dinner and to watch a movie. Doesn't really remember the movie they watched. Then on Sunday, the story is a little bit vague. We're not sure what happened on Sunday, but Trina's phone responds to text messages and it says, um, Hey, just on a digital detox this weekend, not responding to text messages. To which the friend replied something to the effect of, oh, that must be really challenging. To which Trina responded, amen, which is an expression that if you go through her text messages, she's never used before. Mm -hmm. So then on the Sunday evening, uh, they they go to bed. Um, He wakes up at six o'clock in the morning and he says he sees her at home. He goes to work. He comes home at 4.30. He can't find her. He phones the police within 30 minutes to report her missing. And so when he phones the police, he phones the Port Moody Police Department. They're the ones who do the search and everything. Now, what happens next is that there's some oddities that sort of occur, is that he doesn't take part in the searches. He doesn't take part in any of the candlelight vigils. He does not make a statement to the uh, news. Fine. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to do that, right? Um, right? The press and people start to gather around their home a lot. So he actually hit, heads out to an area called Mission, British Columbia, to stay with his parents. So okay. he takes the car out there. What happens next is that people start sleuthing. There's mm-hmm. an online Facebook group called the Murder of Trina Hunt Discussion Group. And the people who run that group started a website called Find Trina Hunt. Um, mm-hmm. And they started doing a lot of their own online work. Uh, and they started to see some oddities. Uh, they started to put out searches for uh, people who saw the car out in Hope or that kind of thing, CCTV mm-hmm. footage, that kind of thing. And they started to be able to sort of like put together a timeline. And it's kind of the timeline I'm using right now. But uh, so at first, Port Moody Police Department were like, oh, it's just a missing person. But then they ended up bringing in what's called the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team, which is RCMP along with several regional police departments that handle violent crime or serious crime. And mm-hmm. So they're searching, but they're not really finding anything, okay? But then near the end of March, we several bodies are discovered in the Hope and Mission area of British Columbia. Now, this is not odd because sometimes uh, spring reveals winter's secrets, right? Right. And so some of these people are just, um, you know, perhaps they died by suicide or they were missing or whatever, but there are often um, bodies left out there from the um, the gang conflict that occurs in British, in Vancouver. So one of these bodies is found around March 29th or 30th. Um, and then on May 1st, that body, and this is in Hope, British Columbia. So outside of Hope, British Columbia. Now keep in mind, where did they go for their digital detox? 
right. Hope, British Columbia. So, And that's an hour and a half away from where they live. Hour and a half away. And keep in mind, her car was in the driveway. Okay. And right. this is, and this is a, 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 a well-to-do suburban woman. She's not going to take transit out to Hope, mm-hmm. right? So right. she couldn't even. It would take like a day. So on May 1st, I believe, I just want to make sure I have this right. May 1st, um, the integrated homicide investigation team uh, reveal that the remains found outside of Hope, British Columbia are Trina Hunt and that this is now a homicide. So at that point, is it discovered that it's a homicide because her body, I, because her body was um, concealed? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or was it cause of death? I, ask, I, I, I couldn't find anything from what I was reading. Did, did, did the medical examiner or anyone ever publicly state how she died or how they came to that determination? No, I believe that that's holdback evidence. Okay. Because only one person will know how she died. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, smart. So, and then since then, so since May 1st, um, we have, well, we've seen intermittent activity. And there was one big day, I can't remember the proper date of it, but um, a search warrant was issued at the Port Moody home as well as his parents' home. Mm-hmm. And the Mercedes and the, uh, BMW were, were pulled in for processing. Lots of stuff came out of the home. Stuff came out of his parents' home and mission as well. And so, uh, what was the probable cause for those warrants? Was it uh, second degree? Was it, uh, was it, you know, accidental homicide? What, like, what warranted those warrants? And, mm-hmm. and so far, right now, like I said, there have been no arrests. And that was about four, a little over four months ago when they served the warrants. Yeah. Yeah. Things kind of lay fallow for the last little while. And now the interesting thing is, is, you know, I know you do a lot of wrongful convictions, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of like your thing. In Canada, we have had some famous wrongful convictions, but we also don't have a lot. And the reason is, is that the threshold to prove first degree murder in Canada is very high. So the right. crown prosecutor, which is the equivalent of a DA, they won't go forward with a file that they can't win. Mm-hmm. So they'll drop a charge. They'll drop it down to second. They'll drop it down to manslaughter, whatever. And even then, they'll 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 take that file and they will push it back to the integrated homicide investigation team and say, "I'm sorry, we need more." Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fascinating case, and I wish more American. District attorneys would use that model, and you know, we've just recently we've been talking about on truth and justice cases where it's been just the opposite of that, where they, you know, they should be the gatekeepers uh, yeah. uh, for people to get charged. And they go into these weak cases and hope to convince a jury, and oftentimes they do. Um, I, I know, so I, I read that the families offered a fifty thousand dollar reward for any tips leading to the arrest. Do you? Is there a website that I can direct our listeners to to go check out the case, and if they want to donate to the reward fund? Yeah, so that would, so there's uh so there are two Facebook groups. One, if you put in Trina Hunt, uh I can't mm-hmm. remember that page, but it's more of a memorial and that Facebook group was used primarily to organize searches uh and for people to share their love for Trina Hunt. That that group is not fam- it is sorry, is family run and they don't want speculation on that group. It can be quite harmful. Right. But there is another group, I believe it's called the Murder of Trina Hunt discussion mm-hmm. group. That group welcomes discussion. 
uh, it welcomes conversation. So if um, some of Bob Ruff's amazing, like, uh, you know, online army is out there and you want to help out with a case, this is the case. And right. uh, so there is also trinahunt.com, uh, which will help you to understand the timeline. What uh, the family is really looking for right now is any type of evidence, CCTV footage, dash cam footage, any kind of footage that puts that Mercedes or the BMW in Hope, British Columbia on the weekend of uh, January 16th, right? Um, mm-hmm. The message from the family is, and this is a direct quote, I'm just going to read it. This comes from the family spokesperson. So I think the message that really needs to get out there is if someone knows something that could lead to an arrest, why are you protecting a murderer? Is it worth the stress you will face forever holding on to this dark secret to protect someone who violently stole someone else's life? Is it worth protecting them while Trina's family and friends are so consumed with grief and anguish? Is it worth going to hell alongside a murderer? The family is offering a $50,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. Oh, hopefully there's, you know, everything is, is recent enough and, and it's great. It was your episode number 24 is, yeah. is when you covered this case. Um, definitely go check that out. Uh, check out the, the website and the Facebook groups. I mean, this, this is a case that's solvable. It's, it's this is where crowd crowdsourcing can really, can, can really make a difference. And who knows what actually happened here, but. I'll point out that 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 uh, I'm airing this episode as our, our final series for the Domestic Violence Awareness Month, mm-hmm. and so that th- there's a reason for that. I think that can give you an idea of of my leanings on the case, what I think about it. Um, but but make up your own mind. Uh, definitely get. In, I, I know we have a ton of listeners who can help out with this group and are really good at helping parse together some of this evidence. So check it all out. His name is Graham. His wife, who does the podcast with him, her name is Kate. And the podcast is called True North, True Crime. Check it out. I'm sure it'll be your next big true crime binge. And, and Graham, I want to thank you for your time. And, and I look forward to listening to many, many more episodes of True North, True Crime in the coming years. Thanks for having us on, Bob. Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.